Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. Greetings, our listeners. My name is Roger Zatwebembele, Director of Africa Center for Apologetics Research. We are working through a series entitled, What Did Jesus Really Mean? And I challenge you and encourage you to come with me as we look at the different Bible passages to try to understand this wonderful, important theme. You may be wondering, is that something worth talking about? Doesn't everybody know what Jesus means? No, actually, as you look through the scriptures, you will notice that while it is clear about what Jesus said, it is not always necessarily clear what Jesus meant by what he said. We all agree that Jesus is one of the most greatest teachers that ever lived, probably with an equaled teaching authority. The teachers of the law in his day looked at him in wonder and marveled at the kind of power and authority that he used as he taught and the great wisdom in his communication as well. There is no doubt whatsoever that if anybody ever spoke so powerfully, so wisely, so authoritatively, so informatively, it was Jesus Christ. However, you will notice that while Jesus in his talks made some of the most outstanding statements, his statements remain a subject of debate to this day, that so many people innocently or ignorantly for different reasons, continue to misunderstand and misapply Jesus' statements, leading many to error, deception, and eventually destruction. No wonder we have so many cults and false teachers today. You see, whenever a church or a group or a person or a denomination misunderstands Jesus, they will always misunderstand the rest of Christianity. Because Jesus stands at the center of Christianity, Jesus stands at the center of a person's relationship with God, and that's why he could say that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So any misunderstanding of who Jesus is, what he has done, and what he has said, is not a simple matter. It ultimately determines one's eternal destiny. So since Jesus has made so many statements in scripture that are subject to being misunderstood, misapplied, or even misinterpreted, how do we make sense of what Jesus said? But even more importantly, how do we make sense of what Jesus meant? What did Jesus really mean by what he said? And that's what we want to look at. We have a number of Bible passages we will be going through. And one of those that I would like to begin with today is a passage in John chapter 8, starting from verses 28. In verse 28, Jesus said that when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just as the Father has told me. Please listen very carefully to this statement because it is a very powerful passage and a game changer. There are two things that need to be understood very clearly in this verse. Number one, Jesus says, I claim to be something. 
And indeed, he made so many outstanding claims in the New Testament. For instance, he claimed that he is God. He claimed he is the Son of God. He claimed he is the Son of Man. He claimed that he is the Messiah of whom all the prophets of the Old Testament pointed to in their prophecy. He claimed he is the only gateway to God. He is the only mediator between God and men. He claimed that he is the good shepherd and apart from him really no one can know or even come to God. Jesus in every sense of the word, when you put together a summary of all his statements in the New Testament, he makes one major claim, I am God. But in this same verse, he makes another statement that makes you doubt the first one. He says that I can do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has told me. Now, if Jesus has made a claim to be God, but at the same time he says he does not have the authority to do anything on his own, it has left a number of religious groups wondering, was Jesus really, really God? He may have claimed so, but is he really God? So they deny the Godhood of Jesus or the deity of Jesus. And we have so many groups today, churches that have been termed as cults or false religious groups, especially on that very basis, that they deny the divinity of Jesus. They deny that Jesus was of very nature God. Not only do they deny his divinity, but they deny his equality with the Father. They conclude that Jesus must be inferior to the Father. Otherwise, how can he say that he can only do what the Father has taught him? Doesn't that mean that the Father is greater, that the Father has more authority, that the Father is superior? And if that is what it means, or at least seems to mean, doesn't that mean the reverse, that Jesus is inferior, Jesus is subordinate to the Father, therefore he cannot be of the same equal status with the Father, and eventually what that boils down to is a denial of the Trinity. While the doctrine of the Trinity teaches that there is one God, and this one God exists eternally as one, but has also existed or revealed himself in the three persons of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. While that is the assertion of the doctrine of the Trinity, there are many churches, individuals, religious groups that would like to deny that, and eventually they conclude that Jesus was not equal with the Father, that Jesus was inferior and subordinate to the Father, or they even deny the Trinity totally, like you will have groups that will claim that there is only one God and the Trinity really is three offices and not three persons. Now, in the midst of such crisis and chaos and confusion, what did Jesus really mean by what he said? Now, to understand this properly, we would have to put this verse in the broader context of the Bible, or even specifically of the whole New Testament. And a number of things that jump out of the text in the New Testament especially, is the fact that Jesus shares the same attributes that are given to God. For instance, we know God to be an all-knowing God. And we will find that this attribute is equally revealed or manifested in Jesus. That Jesus, during his time on earth, he was an all-knowing personality. You can find that in Matthew 9, verse 4, Matthew 11, 27, Matthew 17, 27. You can go in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, and look at verse 4. 
You can look at John chapter 1 verse 48. You can look at chapter 4 of John verses 16 to 19. You can look at John chapter 17 verse 25. Clearly there are so many verses that attest to the fact that Jesus shared the characteristic of being omniscient or all-knowing, a characteristic that can only be given to God. But that's not all. Jesus was also an all-powerful being that he is revealed as one who is powerful in fact the creation is attributed even to him you read colossians chapter 1 verses 16 and you are told that in him through him by him and for him what is visible or invisible whatever is has been and will be was created in and through jesus clearly an attribute of being all powerful And you can find this again in Mark 1:29 to 31. You can find it in Luke 8:25. You can find it in John chapter 1 verse 3 or even in John chapter 11 verses 1 to 44 as you look at the resurrection of Lazarus. He exercises power that is beyond human understanding or human ability that everybody would make one conclusion that the power that we see manifested in Jesus can only belong to God and it leaves you wondering if Jesus is all knowing as God is and is all powerful as God is what does that make him from these two aspects you can clearly see that Jesus is indeed God so whatever John 8:28 means it cannot mean that Jesus was less than God It cannot mean that Jesus was inferior. It can only mean that Jesus was indeed God and therefore equal to God. But we can also look at it from another context by looking at Jesus himself as being the revealer of who God is. That when you look at what the Bible says about God and you look at the person and ministry of Jesus, you can make one conclusion. That in fact Jesus was God and in Jesus we see the revelation of who God is and what he has done. In fact, looking at the very beginning of the gospel of John, we can even see that that the very reason Jesus became flesh, the very reason Jesus became a human being was so that he can reveal God and who he is. In John 1 verse 18 we are told that no one has ever seen God But God the one and only who is at the father's side has made him known. Now what does that mean? It means that no one has ever seen God the father but God the one and only that is Jesus Christ who is at the father's side has made him known. In this one passage we see the two persons of the Trinity. We see God the Father who is being revealed by Jesus Christ God the Son the perfect revelation of God the Father can only come through the person of God the Son and there are so many ways in which we can see this again happening for instance if you look at John 1 verse 14 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 or even Isaiah 40 verse 5 We see that the glory of God is made known in Jesus Christ that in the person of Jesus we see the fullness of God's glory made manifest that God's glory has been seen even more than it was seen or understood in the Old Testament by the person of Jesus in the New You want to know God's power look at Jesus 
See how he demonstrates the power that can only be wielded by a powerful being as God himself especially through the performance of miracles or what other parts of the New Testament call signs and wonders. In Jesus and through Jesus, the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf receive their hearing back, the sick are raised from their sick beds, even the dead like Lazarus come back to life. We all agree that there is no human being that could ever summon such power, indeed supernatural power, to do such acts of wonders. There is no doubt whatsoever, as you look at the ministry of Jesus, that you see a power in display, and that power can only belong to God. What about his wisdom? That you want to know the wisdom of God apart from Jesus? No way, it's not possible. How do you know that God is indeed an all-knowing and all-wise God? You look at Jesus. Passages like John 7 verse 46, like 1 Corinthians 1 24, we will tell you how Jesus mirrors the wisdom of God. But you can also know who God is as you look at Jesus in his love. One of the characteristics of God is that he is a God of boundless love. Love that is unconditional, love that is beyond compare, love that is unmatched. We read several passages in the scripture, like John 3.16. What is the basis of the salvation of mankind? God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave. And whom does he give? Jesus. What is the purpose of him giving Jesus? To practically and visibly demonstrate God's love. Look at verses like Romans chapter 5 verses 8. Paul writes, and he says that for God demonstrates his love in this way, that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. Now Paul begins by talking about the love of God. But the love of God can only be visibly manifested, practically seen and understood in the person and in the sacrifice of Jesus. That for you to know the depth of God's love, you have to look at Jesus' sacrifice. That when you see who Jesus is and what Jesus does or has done, you see God's love climactically in action or in demonstration. No wonder in John 13 verses 1 and 2 we are told that when Jesus knew that his time to go back to the Father had come, having loved his own who were in the world, he now loved them to the furthermost limits of his love. Some other Bible versions say that he now loved them unto death. How does he demonstrate love? He demonstrates this love by laying down his life for sinners. Clearly, an attribute of God himself, that God has loved, but how do we know that God has loved? We see the sacrifice of Jesus. We see his death. We see his ministry to the poor, to the needy, to the lonely, to the rejects of society, the restoration of the sick. All this shows us God's love made manifest, but we only find it consummated in the person, in the life, in the death, in the sacrifice, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Clearly, Jesus was who he claimed to be, and that is that he is God. What else do we see as we look in the person of Jesus that corresponds with the attributes of being God? The grace of God. That grace which we call undeserved favor, that God bestows upon mankind, 
even in their undeserving nature and status. We see that same grace again manifested and revealed in Jesus. You read passages like Luke 2 verse 40, you look at John 1 verse 17, you look at 2 Thessalonians 1 12, they all talk about the grace of God as is demonstrated in Jesus. In Jesus we see love extended to the undeserving. We see forgiveness extended to even sinners who are not asking for it. We see it demonstrated on Calvary's cross again, that while people following him to Calvary's cross scorned him, scoffed at him, spat at him, howled insults of all kinds at him, while Jesus had every reason to cast them back, how does he respond? We are told that he lifts up his eyes in heaven, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. If that is not grace, I don't know what you call it. In every sense of the word, they deserved judgment. They deserved to be cast back. But what does Jesus do? He loves them. He forgives them. He cries out for them. He is in pain for them. He intercedes for them. Clearly, an act of grace, and grace that can only be found in God. So again, Jesus is saying, look guys, I am God. And indeed, that should remind you again, that whatever Jesus is doing, he is doing what the Father would want him to do. He is acting in relationship with the Father and not in opposition. He is fulfilling the will of the Father. Now, this is not a sign that he was weak. This is not a sign that he couldn't do it on his own. But as one who shares the same nature with the Father, as one who shares the same attributes with the Father, he does what the Father does. He thinks the way the Father thinks. He loves the way the Father loves. He gives grace the way the Father gives it. So when Jesus says, I can do nothing of my own but what the Father has showed me, he is saying that he is reading from the same script as the Father, that he is of the same divine nature as the Father, that he shares the same power as the Father, that he is of the same will as the Father, and therefore equal to the Father. So hence John 8 verse 28, as we saw earlier, does not point to any weakness in Jesus the Son, does not mean in any way that Jesus is inferior or subordinate to the Father or that he is uh, deficient in power to do anything of himself. What this does mean is that Jesus does what the Father does because they are of the same nature, of the same essence, and they are equal. Jesus could have done it on his own because he had the power. The Bible tells us that he upholds the universe. The Bible tells us that through him the whole creation was made. We see him exercise that power even as he raises people from the dead like Lazarus. Certainly he could have done it on his own. But no, the fact that he consults with the Father and does the Father's will itself should confirm to us that he is equally God just as the Father is. So John 8.28 simply tells us that Jesus as the Son of God could never do anything contrary to the Father because they are of the same nature and therefore they never act separately from one another. What Jesus does and says is what the Father does and would say. 
is what the Father's will is. This proves the unity of the nature in the Godhead, the perfect equality of the three in one, and is not a contradiction in any way. So when certain churches or groups or individuals read John 8.28 and they conclude that Jesus is inferior, they are actually misreading their, this verse, they are planting their doctrine into the passage and trying to say what the passage is not saying. In fact, when understood very well, this passage is further evidence that indeed Jesus and God the Father share the same nature, that indeed the doctrine of the Trinity is true, that indeed while they are one and the same in nature, they play different roles to fulfill and make our salvation possible. And that any denial of the Trinity cannot arrive at salvation. Any denial of the equality of Jesus with the Father cannot arrive at salvation. Any denial that Jesus possesses the same authority, the same power, and the same characteristics and attributes with the Father cannot bring anyone to salvation. So when one downplays the nature or the power or the personality of Jesus, the kind of Jesus they proclaim then is another Jesus, one who is not the Jesus of the Bible. That was Paul's concern when he wrote to the Corinthians in his second letter, chapter 11, from verses 3 and 4. Paul is saying that I am afraid that you Corinthian believers have embraced another Jesus. That when somebody comes to you and proclaims a gospel that we have not proclaimed to you, or proclaims a Jesus that we have not preached, or another spirit that we've not told you about you easily put up with them. And in that verse, Paul is saying that there is something called another Jesus. A Jesus created in the image of his followers. One that is not biblical. One that is a result of a distorted theology, misinterpreted Bible passages, a Jesus that is in conformity with the standards of the world, but not really the incarnational Jesus who came from above, became man to reveal God the Father, to make our salvation possible, and to present us back to God at the end of it all. Please, it is very important that you not only believe in Jesus, but you believe in the historical Jesus of the Bible. Because any belief or any faith in Jesus that is not the Jesus of the scriptures cannot bring you to salvation. Which is why it is not only important to believe in Jesus, but it is all the more important to know what kind of Jesus you believe in. Do you know the Jesus of the Bible? Do you understand who he is? Do you know what he has done? Do you realize that apart from him you are lost, and apart from him you cannot have eternal life? Do you realize that if you innocently or ignorantly believe in a Jesus other than the Jesus of the Bible, that you ultimately cannot be saved? Jesus says that he is the only way to God, that he is the mediator between God and man, and if you do not come in through the right Jesus, you cannot access God. What did Jesus really mean when he says that I am what I claim to be and whatever I speak is not my own but what the Father has revealed to me? Did he really mean that he was inferior? Did he mean that he could only do what the Father tells him because the Father is greater? Was Jesus saying he is not God? From the evidence of the scriptures that we have looked at, it is categorically clear that that is not what Jesus meant. 
that this passage has been misunderstood, misinterpreted, and daily in different churches, in different fellowships, is being misapplied to, to, to distort the personality and the nature of who Jesus is. And it is important that we not only take note of how today's Christians interpret the Bible, but even all the more concerning who Jesus is and what he has taught, that we be sure that we have believed the truth. For the scriptures say that you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. May God bless you abundantly as you ponder these passages, as you look through to understand not just what Jesus said, but even more importantly, what Jesus really meant by what he said. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.